right. Hello. Good to see you guys. Hey, happy Valentine's Day. I know that that means a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but I want to honor my Valentine's, my mom and Cody. My girls, they're not here right now, but Grace and Lynn, all my Valentine's. I love all you. And uh, man, uh, I, I'm appreciating like the longer Cody and I have been married and in love with each other, like the maturity and the progression that happens as that happens. Because, you know, it used to be like Valentine's Day was kind of like the typical traditional things. Like I'd, I'd, I'd get her flowers or chocolate, which you can never go wrong with chocolate. But she let me know probably 10 years into our marriage, she doesn't like flowers. And so I was like, well, that's awesome. Uh, I don't mind that at all, you know. And, but, but what I appreciate is this year, she, she's like, you know what I really want for Valentine's Day? And, and, I, and I, how many of you men appreciate when your wives just tell you what they want like that? I love that. Like, no, just take the guessing game out of it, please. Just help us. We're, we're, we're dense. We're not very smart. So just give, throw us a bone, please. Like, uh, so Cody said she, for what she wanted for Valentine's Day was a miter saw. And I almost passed out. I was just like, this is, the, this is the most beautiful, sexy woman I've ever met in my life, that she wants a miter saw for Valentine's Day. And I was like, you got it, baby. So I got her a miter saw. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, hey, we are talking about the Holy Spirit for the next three weeks. And I'm excited about this. He's my favorite person, honestly, uh, you know, and, and you may say, well, I thought Cody was. No, Cody's not number one on my list. Like the Holy Spirit, he's my favorite. He's my favorite person. And, and, and I talk about him quite a bit, but as a church, we, we don't necessarily spend a lot of time, but it's very important that you understand how important he is to us as a church, as a vision. And so we're gonna talk about him but I also understand that people come from a lot of different backgrounds when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And so you have some people in here, you weren't raised in church at all, and quite honestly, I'm a little jealous of you because you don't have context. And because you don't have context, it also hasn't been messed up for you. Who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, any of that. But, but you just don't even know. It's like, Holy Spirit, okay? I mean, I remember that, that's like, part of the deal, I think, with God and all that, but you don't really have a lot of context. Some of you were raised in a church where they never talked about the Holy Spirit. In fact, pastors would probably even skip over scriptures that talked about the Holy Spirit. You have maybe like a, a cerebral knowledge of who he is, but you have never understood or encountered the power of the Holy Spirit who he can be in your life. And so some of you, you, you hear that we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit and you weren't even sure if you were gonna come this morning because you're like, oh man, my church about to get spooky. I don't want my church to get spooky. Please don't get spooky. And I promise you we're not. But I would encourage you, just a side note, I encourage you to read a book called The God I Never Knew. The God I Never Knew. That's the best advice I can give to someone this morning that is raised in a church background that has a context where maybe even the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit were talked again, spoken against. Okay, and then we have people to raise in church where the Holy Spirit is all you talked about. And it wasn't just the Holy Spirit, it was the Holy Ghost. And you'd have to say it like that in order for it to, to work. 
And, and, and it was always about the Holy Spirit. And it was always about the gifts and the manifestation. And you couldn't finish church. You didn't finish that service until you had a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So when, we, when you see or hear that we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit, you're like, let go. Let's go. Now, before you start dusting off all your tambourines and shofars, I just want you to slow your roll, okay? Because, because you might be a little bit out of balance as well. So this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask whatever your context is in regards to the Holy Spirit, that you start with a clean slate this morning. I'm not... I'm not saying that you dishonor your, your background. I'm not saying, but give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to reintroduce himself in a way that is going to help you so much. So the Holy Spirit, uh, the enemy would love to convince people uh, that to believe in the Holy Spirit, to operate in alignment with the Holy Spirit would make them weird or spooky. And, and, and let's just be honest, most of you are weird enough. You, like, you don't need to be any more weird than you already are. But the enemy would love to convince you that, that that's what happened. He'd also like to convince you that the Holy Spirit makes you better or more godly than someone else. So those are kind of the two different traps I think that we could fall into. He'd also like to pervert the truth because that's what he likes to do. He likes to twist what is good and what is powerful. One of the definitions of the word pervert is to use improperly. So the enemy can't create anything. He can only pervert what God created. So in some ways, the Holy Spirit has been misrepresented in so many different ways. But I also want you to know that it is impossible to live an empowered, victorious life without the Holy Spirit in your life. It's impossible. Ephesians 1.13 says this, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, what was the seal? The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Okay, in other words, until Jesus comes back to the praise of his glory. So I want us to look at, at this word in the Hebrew and in the Greek. The Old Testament was primarily written, it was all written in Hebrew. New Testament was written in the Greek, and then we've translated to the best of our ability into English, okay? But I want to look at these two words. Uh, the Hebrew word, so as the Spirit was spoken about in the Old Testament, is the word ruach, okay? To say the word correctly, you got to pretend like you've got a popcorn kernel shell thing stuck in the back of your throat and you're trying to get it out. Rorach, okay? That's the Hebrew word. And what it means is a violent exo- uh, uh, breathing out, a blast of breath, a wind, okay? The Greek word is pneuma, a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze, okay? So one way to say it is the Holy Spirit is like the breath of God, the wind of God. But wind is hard to describe. Like, if you ever met somebody and they're like, what's wind? Like, what? it's like a, the air moves. <laughs> like, it's like that, but more, like, it's not always easy 
to describe. But here are some characteristics of wind that I think can help us also understand who the Holy Spirit is. First of all, wind is unseen. We see the effects of the wind, but we can't see the wind. It is dangerous to base your relationship with the Holy Spirit or with God on emotions and feelings. A lot of times people are always wanting to see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They're always wanting to see it. If they don't see it, they don't believe that it's happening. They don't believe that he's there. Now, the Holy Spirit can't involve your feelings and your emotions because they're part of our bodies, and God gave those to us, but it doesn't always happen that way. And I think that's really important for the people that were raised were in, in a church or an environment where it was always about the Holy Spirit. Look, I pray for the presence of God, and the presence of God shows up in this service. But we don't always necessarily see that manifested presence. Okay? We can. It can happen. But, but for the most part, wind is unseen. We, we're very interested in seeing how the wind stirs things, though. Wind is unpredictable. As much as I want you to know Holy Spirit won't make you weird or spooky, what I can't say is the Holy Spirit is predictable. The Holy Spirit will ask you to do some uncomfortable things. And it won't always make sense. Now, for anybody that thinks, man, I just, I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be a weird Christian. But I just want us to stop and just, just think about this for a second. Everything about our faith is pretty weird. Okay? Like even, like sometimes we read stories about Jesus and we just like breeze through it like, oh, that's, that's cool. He spit in some mud and mixed it together and rubbed it on a guy's eyes. That doesn't sound weird to me at all. Like we can read that stuff and be like, that's not weird. That's just Jesus. That's just Jesus. Jesus is never weird. Well, if the same spirit that spoke to Jesus to tell him to do that dwells inside of you, there's a chance he's going to ask you to do some weird stuff too. Water baptism. It's kind of weird. Like, I believe in Jesus. What's my next step? Well, we want you to get into a tub of water. And then a couple of people are going to forcefully put you under the water so that everyone knows you belong to us. I think you get the point. Like there's some weird stuff in our faith. I think maybe some of it, what it is, is if I can control it, then it's not as weird. So it's when it's unpredictable and not always controllable, that's what's weird. But that's what you're missing, maybe in your walk in faith, is releasing control to where you don't always have control. In John 3, 8, it says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. There's no system for the Holy Spirit. 
It won't always line up. He won't always line up with your plans. The Holy Spirit moves and speaks differently. He is mysterious. There's no doubt about it. Also, another characteristic of wind is it's powerful. Like it generates electricity. It can sail a huge ship. It can destroy cities with tornadoes and hurricanes. And I would suggest that some of us, for some of us, the power switch is turned off in our lives. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so I would suggest if you're wondering if you're walking with the Spirit or not in step with what he wants us to do, look at your desire and your pursuit of witnessing and sharing your love and sharing God's love. Because it says that when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're gonna be a witness of what God has done in your life. You won't be able to help it. That'll be a part of your life. And some of us are going through, through some things in our lives and you cannot fix it on your own. Without Holy Spirit, we operate in our own strength and we accomplish human results. But with Holy Spirit, we operate in God's strength. And then we accomplish supernatural results. Man, he gives us a huge advantage. Huge advantage. Many think, if I, if I could just have been with Jesus, then I would walk more powerfully. So then I'll hear people like, I just need to go to Israel. If I could just go to Israel, if I could walk where Jesus walked. And I'm not saying that that's not a powerful experience. But I think God would be saying, hello, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. You don't have to go somewhere where Jesus walked. He's already walking with you. Just recognize it. He's with you. Think about the world without Holy Spirit. First off, there would be no creation. It says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the darkness of the earth. There would be no human race because it was the Holy Spirit that brought air and life into Adam's lungs. That's what brought life. It was the Holy Spirit. There would be no virgin birth because it was the Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary and allowed her to conceive. There would be no resurrection. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells inside of us. There would be no Bible because all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, no restraint against sin. No one would have spiritual gifts. There would be no anointing. Imagine me preaching without the Holy Spirit. Some of you are thinking, it's not too hard to imagine that. And I think... I think I've seen that happen before. You're probably right. Also, wind is refreshing. It's refreshing. Typically speaking, the weather in Arkansas, it's nice to roll down your windows, let a cool breeze come through. I wouldn't encourage you to do it today. 
But I, I, I like a good Arkansas breeze, especially on a summer day. Okay, now some of you, you're like, we need to fast and pray for warmer weather now. Like you wanna just like, obviously somebody's in sin, that's the reason why it's this cold. Like you're convinced, like this is judgment from God, okay? But you forget so quickly that in just a couple of months, we will be cooking, literally cooking in our own skin. And some of you are like, yes, and I love that. That's my wife. But let me just bring this to your attention. You can always put more clothes on. I can only take so many clothes off before I get arrested. But when it is warm, you know, when you're just sitting and it's just hot, and even the slightest breeze comes, man, how refreshing is that? You're just like, oh. It's amazing. And even just a little bit. It's like that, that cool breeze, on, even on the sweat of your skin, it just helps. It cools you. Refreshes some of you. God, so desperately just need a gentle breeze of the Holy Spirit to refresh your life. You have worked and toiled, sweated without him. If you invite him, he'll bring a nice cool breeze. It'll refresh you. It'll refresh you. 1 Corinthians 2.9, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God revealed to us by his spirit. God wants to do something. There's this place in the ocean called the doldrums, and it is where northern winds and southern winds converge, and they essentially cancel each other out. There is no wind at all, completely still. People call it the desert of the ocean. And before motorized or, or powered ships, like if you sailed into that, you're done. You would die because there was no way to, to leave that place. And I think some of you, you may be living in the doldrums of your life. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit he wants to bring a fresh wind, fresh breath. That's what you need. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. Anything you refer to as an it is not referring to a person. So honestly, even the phrase the Holy Spirit is not accurate. Okay? Like, it's the easiest way to, for us to refer to him but you wouldn't refer to me as the James Bennett. That would be weird. Sometimes we can treat Holy Spirit as an it. He is a person. And this is so important because God desires to have a personal relationship with us and he desires for us to have a personal relationship with his spirit. He desires that. If we see him as an it, it's gonna be difficult to have a personal relationship with him. John 14, 16 says this, 
and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and will be ever forever with you, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So keep in mind that Jesus, at this point, he's just having a conversation with his disciples. This is hours before his, resur- or his arrest and crucifixion. So he's not preaching. He's not having a discussion with religious leaders. He's not trying to argue a point with anyone. He is just simply having a conversation with his closest friends, telling them how important it is for them to see Holy Spirit and to have a relationship with him, to recognize him, their need for him. The Holy Spirit is a person and he desires to have a deep and meaningful relationship with you. So I would encourage you, if nothing else, try this. Talk to him. By name. Okay, now I I don't want you to get too hung up in semantics, but I want you to think about how most of us pray. Most of us, when we pray, which honestly is a little bit weird in and of itself, but as we pray, we will mention multiple names of God as we pray, okay? I I knew a person that when they prayed, this is how they prayed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, Jesus, I just ask, like they would say all the names and then communicate a sentence. Okay, well, that would be weird if you were having a conversation with someone else. Cody Jolene Bennett. Mrs. Cody Jolene Bennett, my wife. Mrs. Cody Jolene Bennett, my wife, the mother of my children. That would be weird. We don't have conversations like that with people, okay? Just gonna throw that out there. But most of us, when we pray, we will say, God, Lord, Jesus. How often do we specifically communicate to the Holy Spirit? Like by name. Just want to throw that out there. I want you just to give that a try. Next, next time you're just in prayer, identify him by name. Now, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying God is confused. Like he's not, he's not like, God the Father's in heaven. Jesus at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit's the one that's with him, but they never talk to him. They're not hung up on semantics. They know who you're talking to. But I just want to encourage you, try that. Just try that. He's a person. He's also a helper. He's a helper. I don't know about you, but I appreciate a good helper. We're raising four kids. So when you're raising four, you got a big family, man. You need people to help out around the house or it gets crazy. So we do all we can. We're trying to give our kids chores. And we got good systems that rewards points for chores and and then takes points away for bad behavior and all that kind of stuff. But man, I'll tell you, some of our kids have figured out what it means to be a helper. And some of our kids have figured out how to be the opposite of a helper. And then some of our kids try to be a helper, but it's not helpful. But our oldest, she is a helper. She's so helpful. She's incredibly helpful. In fact, we, we probably need to be more aware and more grateful and thankful for just how helpful she is. 
But we did have a wake-up call because typically every spring break, we go camping as a family. But this spring break, our daughter decided instead of going camping with us, she's going on a missions trip. How selfish is that? Who is going to help us with the other three kids? This is serious, people. Because there is fire and knives and the forest. And she's not going to be there to help us. You know I'm joking, I hope. Like, I'm so proud. Like, she's giving up her spring break to go on a missions trip. But we think, man, she is, she's so helpful. It's like she helps us. I don't know about you, but I appreciate when people contribute and help. Man, it's so refreshing. So refreshing as a pastor. It's like my heart to help. Like most people, when I ask, like, what can we do? And they'll say, just pray. And I'm like, I'll do that. But I want to, how can I help, though? What can I do? It's so amazing to have a helper. And the Holy Spirit, man, he's a helper. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So how does he help us? First of all, he comforts us. He comforts us. Acts 9, 31 says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee, Galilee, sorry, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up And going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit continued to increase. Nothing can comfort like his presence. He counsels us. This is a big role he plays in my life. Huge. John 16, 13. But when he, the Holy, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He gives us word to speak when we're speechless. And this happens, man, as I'm counseling and as I face situations that are just, I'm sorry, there's no amount of Bible school, there's no amount of theology, there's no amount of knowledge of the word sometimes that can help you in some situations. You're going to need the great counselor to help. And There's lots of times I know I'm getting ready to walk into a situation that's just so overwhelming and so heartbreaking. And I just know I don't have the right words. And so before I go into that situation, I will have a conversation with the Holy Spirit and just ask him, will you speak to me? I I just, I want to be completely submitted. I want my words to just be your words, submitted to you. And I'm not saying that every time that means I just walk in this situation and, and I just open my mouth and then all of a sudden just this beautiful, perfect. But what does happen is immediately peace comes on me. And I find more times than not that what most people need in really difficult situations, they need peace. They need comfort. They don't need the right words. They just need, sometimes they need somebody that can help remind them or usher in a 
peace that transcends understanding. But he also does help me. He helps me communicate. He's a counselor. But he also convicts us. John 16, 8 says, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And I want to let you know that this is such great news. The truth is no one comes to believe in Jesus on their own. The Holy Spirit is the one that draws them and convicts them. That is the Holy Spirit's job. It's one of his primary jobs. The Holy Spirit's role to lead us to right standing with God and to help us stay connected. Number three, the Holy Spirit is God. So the Holy Spirit is a part of this doctrine that we believe in called the Trinity. That is that God is one God, but in three persons or in three parts. And each one of those parts manifests themselves differently. So God the Father. What we know about this part of the Trinity is God the Father is in heaven. Whatever dimension that is, it's way too big for our brains to conceive. Okay? We also know that there is God the Son, that is Jesus. And we know that he is at the right hand of the Father. And that is really good news for us because he is the one being fully God and fully man understands and he intercedes for us. I mean, you may have some good intercessors in your life, but it is a good thing to know that you have Jesus himself praying for you. Man, that's cool. And then you have God the Spirit. He's with us. He's who's with us. But the great thing is because the Holy Spirit is God, he also has the same characteristics of God, which means he's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. All-knowing. He can speak to you. He's omnipresent, which means that he can be everywhere at once. He's God with you. He's also omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He can empower you. And we can have access to this all the time. But I also think that one of the most important things for any of us to understand is the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Which means he never forces his way on anyone or into any situation. So that's a good litmus test for you in your life because if you ever feel that someone is trying to force something from the Holy Spirit on you, you can know that that is not the Holy Spirit. I find that he typically really just likes to be invited. He, he likes it when he's just recognized, when people recognize their need for him. And so I'd also say that if, if you're in places, environments where he's never invited, he's never asked to show up, well, that's, not, that's also not the Holy Spirit because he does desire to be invited. He does. Romans 8, 9 says this, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. 
Galatians talks about a desire for the flesh or a desire for the spirit. The Bible shows the Holy Spirit is gentle like a dove. He's, he's powerful, yes, but he's also meek. He actually never speaks about himself, but only the Father. So interesting. I find that in some respects, Holy Spirit as a person is one of the most ignored people on the planet. And yet he's the most important person on the planet. And just want to tell you as your pastor, you need him. You need him. I can sense even some of the conflict in some of your hearts and minds like about this subject because of how you were raised. Because there's people in your life that you respect and, and that, that help mentor you and help, help you become a Christ follower that passionately told you different things about the Holy Spirit. And, and they may have been in either one of those different ditches where they would tell you, no, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, that was for a certain time in the New Testament. But now all of that has ceased and it's not necessary. I'm just sorry, but Scripture doesn't support that. My own testimony doesn't support it. But then some of you, you have, you have chased after, in seasons of your life, chased after the feeling and the emotion. And you put the gifts on a pedestal and you worship them and you forgot the gift giver. Maybe you forgot that the whole reason for the gifts of the Spirit are for intimacy between you and Him. And the people that take those gifts and make it about anything else, honestly, that is annoying to God. It is like a loud clanging gong or cymbal. You ever given your kids a gift? and then they used it for something it wasn't intended to be used for, it is annoying. It's frustrating. Like, no, I gave you a good gift and I trusted you with this and then you used it for something it wasn't intended for. But I do believe that he wants to pour himself out fresh and anew. And I think he wants to do it in our nation. I think, I think he wants to do it in our state. I think he wants to do it in our city and community. But I am most passionate about him starting with me. I just, I need him so desperately. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. said to have your mind set on the spirit of God the spirit that 
that intercedes, is our helper, is our guide. So everyone in this room, I just encourage you, come before the Lord and ask him. Come before the Lord. Come before his spirit and say, will you fill me? Will you fill me? I need you. Will you fill me? To be led by him, for him to help us as a church, for him to first and foremost, let his fruit, the fruit of the spirit be demonstrated in our lives. But then for us also to have his gifts, his heart and spirit to pray, we need this. Father, we sincerely seek you. Holy Spirit, we do ask for you to move. Would you break through the barriers of preconceived notions? Will you bring that fresh breath and that fresh wind? We need to be led by you. We also wanna be obedient to you. Some of us, the most important interaction that we're gonna have with you today is you as our conviction. It's by your gentleness that you draw us to repentance. That's an amazing thing. It's, it's not condemnation. It's not shame. It's not guilt. You have never screamed at anyone to repent. But you have come alongside of myself so many times and just said, son, this is not you. This is not who I created you to be. Will you repent? Will you stop and just come back to me? Will you get back into the center of your identity? Jesus paid such a huge price for you to be able to walk free. Will you come back to me? And I, I know without a doubt that there's some of you that, that right there. That's what he's trying to speak right now. And so I wanna to respond to that. And the truth is this is something that we respond to pretty much every single weekend. Every time that I've given this invitation, it's, it's always been because I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to someone and saying, come back. Come to me, come to me. Find salvation, find freedom, find deliverance, find healing, find everything you need in me. So if you're here today and, and you know that that's you, you're away from God. You've never surrendered to Jesus as the savior who paid the price and made him your Lord, given him the reins of your life, given him control of your life. If you've never done that, I wanna give you a chance to respond to the Spirit speaking to you. And no one's looking around. 
The Holy Spirit's not interested in you being embarrassed. He's not interested in you feeling shame. He's interested in you finding freedom and healing. So no one's looking around, but if that's you, and you know you're away from him, you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I'm gonna ask you to take an act of faith. There's action. I don't ask you to put your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down, but you just know you're away from the Lord. You're away from Jesus. You need him. The Spirit's telling you clearly you need him. anyone. Okay. Father God, I thank you for those couple of hands. And I thank you, Jesus, that you did come. You did pay the price for our sin. The price that we couldn't pay. We ask for your forgiveness for our sin. And we also know that we have to repent. We have to turn away from it. We have to stop and turn away from living the way that we want to live and we want to turn towards you. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the one that empowers us to live the life that we're meant to live in you. You, you lead us by your word. You speak to us through your word. You, you just speak to our hearts. You also speak through the body of Christ. And so help us to be connected to that so that we can be the people you've called us to be. Lord, I thank you for every person that, that just prayed to you, just had that conversation with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've heard them, you've, you've seen their hearts, you know their innermost beings, you know their motives, you know everything about them, and I thank you that you help them now as a counselor, a helper, to walk out the life and the purpose that you have for them. Thank you for meeting with us. In Jesus' name, amen.